Hey everybody, welcome to Observations. I'm Rob Liefeld, taking you on this journey of comic books, pop culture, and everything in between. It is one big juicy uh, comic book pop culture enchilada, and we're going to get right into it, take a juicy bite, and uh, go down the road that will lead us to the end of our multi-episode journey, the making of Deadpool. I have tried to answer as many of your questions as I possibly can that I have heard from you guys over the years on the convention circuit, at the comic store signings online. I've tried to take you from the very beginning, from constructing uh, Deadpool, uh, from the ground up where, where where the inspiration came from inside my head, the, the, the personality that I had crafted for him, the backstory, the origins, the... The, the, the characters that inspired him from Boba Fett to Snake Eyes to the movie Twins, his incredible reception, how you guys blew him up um, uh, immediately, uh, causing us to go back and update how and when we were going to use him because you guys had uh, spoken and the fans, you guys just went nuts for him. And then, of course, we went into the merchandising and how he has been rocking toy shelves, game shelves, for 30 plus years and then uh, this will wrap our walk back over the journey the very strange and twisted journey to get him onto movie screens and so we had uh, walked all the way through the development process in part one and gone through how uh, he had emerged from Wolverine Origins with 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 a lot of favor because Fans loved Deadpool. They loved Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. How Ryan really kind of test drove that entire character in 2004's uh, Blade, uh, Blade Three, and when when he uh, his 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 amazing uh, portrayal as Hannibal in that movie, and uh, and and he was a natural fit. And of course, the, the Deadpool that we saw in Wolverine Origins in the end did not kind of live up to snuff. They knew it. They wanted to get it right. I was fortunate to be there from ground zero. The people, the the, the fine folks at, at Donner Productions, Lauren Schuler Donner, Derek Hoffman, the entire crew welcomed me in um, from breaking uh, uh, an idea, a story, story ideas and, 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 uh, and eliminating other, other paths that probably shouldn't have gone down. It was, it was a great opportunity for them to then go and get some of the best writers in the business, Rhett Reese, Paul Warnick, who just uh, scored all the touchdowns with that screenplay, uh, with with obviously working alongside Ryan and his input, and uh, you know the screenplay was was up and running. People were had a lot of favor for it, but as I as I covered uh, guys like Robert Rodriguez, um, guys like Edgar Wright, they passed. They they didn't go all in <clears throat> on on Fox's vision for this amazing film, and 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 to, and to carry out this this brilliant screenplay. I just can't say enough. The, the screenplay was carrying all the water, even when enthusiasm wasn't at full tilt. So we arrived at Tim Miller coming on board. He of Blur Studios and his amazing special effects direction and all the video game work and commercials that he had done, the trailers. And Fox was ready to take a, a chance on Tim. Tim welcomed me into the fold, uh, was was really generous in introducing himself. And uh, made this amazing footage because Fox gave him a budget to make a segment of the film, one of the earliest openings in the film where Deadpool drops into the Escalade and takes out all the bad guys, discarding them from the Escalade, tossing them onto the freeway, battling the motorcyclists until it drops to a 
kind of immediate conclusion, kind of formulating a little bit of a Deadpool trailer by just making that footage and cutting it the way he did. So they shot it on a soundstage in Southern California with Ryan. Um, they bitmapped, uh, CGI'd the suit onto Ryan. There was no suit that he wore that day. That was all a CGI grafting of the suit. Um, which was obviously different than what we would get in the actual movie where he rocked that killer, killer uh, leather, red and black leather in, in, in real life. Uh, so, so this footage blew everybody away. People who saw it flipped out. Uh, Tim would invite me up and said I had an open invitation, which I used liberally to go up and uh, go to the, the uh, screening room. In, 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 in deep inside Blur Studios, Tim had a huge, awesome screening room. And I brought all sorts of different friends of mine in the business. I eventually even brought Gina Carano. She of, obviously, uh, Deadpool and uh, Angel Dust in Deadpool and um, Cara Dune that we love her in Mandalorian. She'd been in Fast and the Furious. She'd had her own Steven Soderbergh film, you guys. I mean, where she kicks Michael Fassbender's ass all over the place. Um, so so Gina and I had been working on a, on a project and Tim had gotten word of it because it was out in the trade magazines and he said hey you should bring her by and show her the studio and let's let's show her this uh show her show her this Deadpool footage and uh so we did and I remember everyone was just Gina's manager everybody was just flipping out and the Deadpool footage was like the worst kept secret in Hollywood everybody knew about it everybody knew how good it was and yet it was not getting uh Tom Rothman at 20th Century Fox off the schneid imagine knowing that that existed. Imagine you had a character, imagine that character got brought to life brilliantly in the best possible light, the best possible light. No one who saw that footage didn't completely flip out. It was the perfect mix of everything that Deadpool is, the, the humor and the violence and, uh, and, and the amazing action direction. I mean, Tim really scored all the points with that footage. But then, as I mentioned in the last installment, that 20... 11 turned into 2012 turned into 2013 turned into 2014 and there is no action they are not moving forward tim cannot seem to get them to pull the trigger on this movie and as i said much of what you did see in february 2016 when deadpool was released is what was in that script there were not giant uh alterations made to that script throughout the colossus entry on the freeway that the the, the, the non-linear storytelling the uh, the stuff <laughs> the stuff with with blind Al the regrowing of limbs the finale if anything it was edited and you got less of it but there was no drastic change that again so much of the great action maintained the uh, pursuit of Francis and and uh, the transformation the flashback in 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 the uh, what they didn't call it the Weapon X program anymore it was just the program and 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 him being used. Uh, uh, as as a pawn in Francis's bid to create uh, mutant weapons to sell in in as as you know arms of war. So so all that stuff that was all that was all there. It, it there was no drastic change of vision. Just 20th Century Fox would not get on board, and it was super frustrating. And that brings us to summer 2014. In fact, San Diego Comic Con 2014. Let me tell you something. Tim Miller is a giant comic book geek. Um, on any given uh, year at San Diego, uh, you would find him with the anime books, with the European art books, in the artist alley, talking to artists. He was all over the place. Tim is a 
he's a guy who who grew up reading and loving comics, and instead of making comics, he made animation, special effects, films. He just took his passion into the film into the film realm, and uh, and and surrounded himself with such an amazing crew that they were um, that they were able to pull off all the stuff, the, the amazing storytelling, storyboards, previs, just the entire package. Blur Studios was really founded on on Tim's love of comic books and movies, and it shows in everything that Tim does. And uh, he is a uh, you know adamant attendee at. San Diego Comic-Con, at WonderCon, all the Southern California cons, year in, year out. Especially after I got to know him, I would see him around, say hi, always check in with him. Well, he sent me this message, uh, you know, in the middle of the show in 2014. Now, 2014 was the first time I took my son to Hall H. And we saw the DC presentation, which uh, which for the first and the most exciting thing that Warner Brothers rolled out on their Hall H morning of sa- that that Saturday morning they had the first big slot was um, they brought George Miller out and showed this wraparound screen technology that they had outfitted Hall H just for them the people who were there will know it it was so it was like a giant screen kind of horseshoe it was this newfangled thing they did to make their presentation even more spectacular so it kind of was wrapped uh, around the 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 first third of the room. So it was a really interesting experience. George Miller came out and showed a giant chunk of the opening uh, pursuit uh, with Charlize Theron and uh, Mad Max, everybody going, and it ends right as they go into the windstorm. And it was an extended chunk. He came out, he told his inspiration, how he finally was able to get back to Mad Max. And for guys like me, diehards like me, my kid had, had not been exposed to Mad Max at that point. Um, he was, you know, fresh Fresh, freshly 14 years old, and that's not where his tastes had run yet. And uh, of course, in the in the years leading up to, and especially, you know, Luke saw Fury Road with me, so did my other son Ch- Chase. Um, they both saw it with me on opening night, and they learned to love Mad Max. But at this Hall H, that's what Warner Brothers led with. And so that was exciting for somebody like me. But then it was weird. They did the Justice League or the Superman Batman. Zack Snyder just came out to promote Superman Batman. There was still images. It was the first time we saw Gal Gadot. Godot, uh, dressed up as Wonder Woman, and literally uh, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, and Ben Affleck come out, all looking gorgeous and fabulous in their street clothes, and they kind of spread out across the hall, and everyone stands up and applauds them, and they kind of waved everybody, and Zach escorted them out, and that was it. You didn't get footage, you didn't get any 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 big wow other than there they are, that's Superman, that's Wonder Woman, that's Batman, it's coming, uh, you know, in 2016. How exciting! And, and, and off they went. They were, you know, they were off to the races and there was no more DC news at that time. Whatever else Warner Brothers promoted that day, I just wasn't as locked into. The Mad Max thing was the big thing. Justice League was was just the, the bare minimum of a tease. Well, then Marvel that afternoon, they were promoting Age of Ultron for the next summer, for 2015. And uh, so they brought the entire cast out. And they just talked about and showed some footage, especially of the party when um, at the beginning of the movie where where Cap almost moves the hammer, and that got a big wow out of the crowd when the hammer kind of shuffles across the glass table. But you know, uh, Marvel, it, it it they didn't have kind of their their big. This is what coming slate later that fall they would do a thing in 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 downtown L.A. where Feige would have his own separate Marvel uh, d- day of announcements where they they mapped out. Um, so much of what was coming in phase, I don't know, phase two by that. Yeah, I think it was phase two. He was mapping out phase two. 
But at this point, Avengers Age of Ultron, they showed some snippets, the cast came out, they took some questions, and I'm telling you, for Marvel, and I think they would tell you that, it was nowhere near kind of the um, full tilt, crazy pants uh, reaction they had to other years. Uh, I was there in Hall H in 2011. They showed Thor, they showed Captain America, and then they brought the Avengers out. And down, and, and specifically why I'm uh, sharing this with you is to tell you that at that point in 2011, um, I have never as a fan been worked up into full tilt, lather, crazy fan fever mode. I'm sitting there and the Thor footage was great. The Cap footage was great. And then, you know, Feige tells everybody he's he's wrapping it up. And then Downey Jr. runs out on stage who we haven't seen. We've seen Hemsworth. We've seen Chris Evans. Um, and again, with Hemsworth, they showed very early parts of him in Asgard, aerial shot of Asgard that we saw in the movie. Then him with the uh, Warriors 3 and carrying on. So you saw Fandral and Volstag and those characters, a glimpse of Sif. But this wasn't heavy, heavy on the footage because they um, really hadn't had the movie assembled. The movie wasn't coming out for another year. And they had just started shooting Captain America First Avenger. So they really just showed the earliest kind of scene of Red, of, of Red Skull prior to being Red Skull as a Nazi breaking in and looking for the Tesseract. And, uh, and, and so, so they just had Chris Evans walk out and talk. So, so while they did show us some stuff, and it, that there was some razzle-dazzle. And again, this is summer of 2011. This is the, the beginning of the Marvel revolution that we're having. Uh, you know, the 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 at the end of this, Feige says goodbye. Downey Jr. runs on stage. Downey Jr. And he's like, hey, I've got some friends I want to introduce to you. Let me, let me start with Scarlett Johansson. And she walks out. And Mark Ruffalo. And Sam Jackson. And then Chris Hemsworth. And Chris Evans. And ultimately, he assembles the Avengers on stage, Jeremy Renner, and there he is. They all stand hand to hand. I am telling you, the 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 fan fever force of being a comic book super nerd carried us all to our feet. I know it did me. It was like the force. It was a supernatural rising. I I rose with my bag over my shoulder. Oh my gosh! I was I was short of breath. There they are, taking the stage for the first time again. Cap, Thor, Iron Man, Hawkeye. You know, uh, um, um, you know. Black Widow, Sam Jackson from from Iron Man Two. I mean, they're assembling on stage for the first time. It's the Avengers, and and they you know played the da na na song, you know the theme behind them, and it was you know raucous. The crowd went crazy. So you had Cap footage, Thor footage. Here's your Avengers. We will see you in 2012. So you know, um, wow, guys, I that is actually that is actually 2010. 20, this is summer of 2010 because Cap and Thor are not, my, my bad, um, the, it was summer of 2010 because Thor, Cap would come out in 2011 and then, you know, you'd get your giant Avengers uh, elect, electric, you know, uh, uh, event in 2012, but they were showing you at the end, I mean, it's 6 p.m., the, 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 the Hall H was over, it was done, we poured out into the streets, I had a dinner that I was having with Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, Robert Kirkman, and Eric Stevenson. And it was this, they had the back table at this swank eatery across the way. And I sprinted across San Diego, got there. And, and those guys can tell you, I told them the cap footage, the Thor footage, but I broke down. Oh my gosh, they assembled the Avengers on stage. At that moment, that was the biggest fan reaction, the most Hall H electricity I'd ever seen ever seen. And I went in subsequent years, but it just wasn't that 
earthquake. We're going to get back to that. Put a pin in that. That earthquake will occur again. I was witness to another earthquake on that level. But so yeah, 2010 Hall H ends with these previews. Wow. Okay. So Iron Man 2 is in theaters. Okay. Following up on the success of Iron Man 1. And again, Cap, Thor, and then they assemble the Avengers coming in 2012. You know, it, it was it was, it was was like nothing I'd ever seen. I, my, I was so excited. I was like, wow, I am super caught up in this. It does not matter that at that point I'd been doing comics for well over 20 years. The 10-year-old fan in me could not believe what we were getting. But in 2014, the age of, of Ultron, assembling them all together, they, they did have, um, you know, uh, uh, they had Quicksilver and Scarlet, which joined them on stage. They had uh, James Spader playing playing Ultron on stage. And I think it, it ended with Josh coming out, announcing he was going to be the voice of Thanos in Guardians, which was coming out. And then, of course, you know, uh, will we'll be the Thanos going forward. So people were excited for Age of Ultron. But 2014, you know... Saturday, Marvel got the last spot, and it's always meant to be the big ball spike and generate the giant excitement. And people were excited, but it wasn't 2010 excitement. It wasn't anywhere close to that. That doesn't mean it wasn't great. It just wasn't that wow. So Sunday comes. I always, you know, stay till Sunday, leave about 6, 6.30. This time I stayed till about 7, hung out with my buddies, packed up, drive home. I live in Orange County, so it's about a 90-minute drive on a good day, on a clean day, clear day, no traffic. So always on the way home from San Diego, you're looking more like, especially after Comic-Con, um, with whatever's going on that summer. Sometimes the Del Mar races are crazy. People stay over. They party. The freeway on the way home in Southern California, up the I-5, the Sunday night is always ridiculous. I don't know why I do it, but I just like to get home and put a cap on it and have all my swag and my art books and, and my exclusive toys and everything that I picked up that I was there. Well, I remember um, thinking, wow, as far as Hall H goes, between the just the, the minimal introduction of Ben Affleck and, and Cavill and, and Gal Gadot together, and then the, the Mad Max footage to me was the highlight up until that point. Um, remember that Tim, so, so Tim Miller has texted me in the middle of the show, middle of the day Saturday, and says, man, it doesn't, doesn't seem like uh, there, there's a lot of electricity around the, the announcements coming out of San Diego. And I said, yeah, like, like kind of implying like, wow, you, you know, kind of what I felt he was implying, like Deadpool would own this place. If we announced this, Deadpool would own this place. That is, that's me reading into the, in the, the, the impulse of him going, man, these announcements, they're not generating the same excitement. So as I've told you, you know, Age of Ultron, super, Superman, Batman, Mad Max, those were kind of the big the big deals. I'm driving home. I literally, you guys, I walk in with my bags and my swag. My my family is is in the kids are out. Okay. My wife is in in our bedroom. She's just reading a book. And I'm I'm like, I'm gonna catch whatever's on HBO, whatever I was watching summer of 2014. You know, may it's possible there was a Game of Thrones. It's I'm not sure what it was, but it was something on HBO. And I am plopping myself down to watch it. And lo and behold, my phone blows up. I just remember it was like 10, 15, 10, 15. I left San Diego around 7, 7, 15. Took me three full hours to pull in. Got, got home, dropped the bags. The phone blows up. The phone blows up. I flip my laptop up. I'm getting notices. The emails are blowing up. The Deadpool trailer has been leaked online. The Deadpool footage that has sat there from 2011 on down 
2011 turned to 2012 to 13 to 14. And here we are last week of July, 2014, the footage is out and people are going crazy. And now people are seeing, they are seeing what we have seen on the inside forever. And people are flipping out as, as we always knew they would Uh, about a year prior to that, I remember Tim getting the biggest kick out of me because I was like, I'm tired of people not seeing this. And there were people who were actually challenging if whether it even existed. There were voices on Twitter, on social media, on Facebook saying, yeah, Liefeld and others talk about this mystery footage, but how do we know it's real? So I was at a Las Vegas show at Amazing Comic Con with my buddy Jimmy J and his brother host. That's their show. The Amazing Comic Con shows have been going strong for a decade. Um, and even a pandemic won't stop them. They'll be back. But it was Las Vegas. It might have been the first Las Vegas show. And I had my panel. Um, and, and so I go out to the panel and I want to tell people what I've seen. So what I did to the best of my abilities is I got up and I acted that thing out. I acted the trailer out. I said, and then this is what happens. And Deadpool drops down to the Escalade. And then he elbows this guy and he smashes this guy. And if you were there, you saw it. And you're like, what is crazy old Liefeld doing? But I wanted people to know, no, it not only does it exist, I can reenact it for you. And there's a guy with a drawing that says he's going to slice the head off. You know, Deadpool's got a drawing that he's going to slice the head off the motorcycle guy. I mean, I reenacted it, told as much as I could. And Tim called me that following Monday and he goes, hey man, somebody filmed you at that show and put it online, which I was hoping. And uh, and he said, we saw it and the guys in the studio got a kick out of it, man. Thanks for getting the word out. I mean, we are trying the craziest things. What I will not air today that will be saved for my memoir is some of the crazy ideas that the writers, the producers, um, everybody associated with the movie at one point were kibitzing ideas of how to get the footage out. And some of them, they range from absolute insane to um, it just it, one was even what if we got all the cosplayers to protest in front of the gates of of 20th Century Fox? And I remember going, this could go very badly. I do not, I do not like, I do not uh, uh, subscribe to that at all. That could end very badly if we only get ten cosplayers. It, it'll just they'll say like Deadpool has ten fans. Okay, like you always have to look at the after effect of what if that doesn't go off with a hitch? You know, if there's as many Deadpools. As, as as there were people who stormed the Capitol? Okay, yeah, that is a visual, right? But 10 guys out on Pico or wherever the Fox entrance is uh, and, and, and in, the, in, the, in, their, in their and the cosplay community was awesome. But, but if they didn't, if they failed to show for whatever reason, maybe it's a rainy day, you know, maybe there's a bus strike, you just never know. It just, th- these are some of the crazy ideas and I'll detail all of them someday in my eventual... <laughs> in my eventual memoirs because there's a there that that's that's the least of the insane so but but there was always ideas so so me and acting it at the at the at the 2013 uh Las Vegas Comic Con it was me trying to get out there like this exists you need to see this so here we go it's leaked it's it's a year later it's 2014 that same footage that I have taken all my friends up I took Robert Kirkman I took Gina Carano I took producers that you don't know I took everybody and their mother up to see it always trying to find a way uh, uh, to, to get this thing going. And uh, it leaked and you guys saw it, I don't know, was it 40 million times? It was some umpteen million times that you guys went crazy for this footage, okay? And then we had the sweet spot that Guardians of the Galaxy uh, rang the bell and came out and drove everybody crazy. 
that summer, and it showed people the combo, the leak. Whoever leaked it, uh, you can see once a year, Ryan puts up that he's still trying to bring the leaker to justice. He's got a he's got a board of suspects, and that awesome like line that he draws between all the photos that you see on like Silence of the Lambs or all those FBI Mind Hunter uh, uh, shows. So it's really funny. Who is the leaker? We'll never know. We'll never know. But it was just it was perfectly timed. In that, really, by Hall H kind of being, I, let's go a B, not not B plus, not A minus, not A, not A plus. It was a B that Deadpool just crushed it, and literally the next day in all the trades, Deadpool wins Comic Con. Deadpool now isn't that just like a Deadpool waits in the in the wings, lets everybody else show their best stuff, and then goes, eh, I, I'm I'm gonna go pirate radio here and and show you footage of me trashing a bunch of guys in the Escalade. The fact that people reacted as well to that um, footage as they did, all of you, you gazillions of fans who watched it again and again and again. And, and, and I think at one point, like they tried to take it down and then there was a high definition one loaded up. And I mean, it was just crazy. I think Fox did the right thing, letting it breathe, letting it get out there. And I have talked to the president of the, of the studio. I got to know him very well, Jim Giannopoulos. He's now over at Paramount. Uh, I would see him at no small amount of functions and stuff from that point on. He said, you know, Rob, the, the, the footage, the footage and Guardians moved hand in hand, you know, hand in glove, combining, convincing us that we could pull this off. We could do this with the humor because Tom Rothman was gone. A big piece of this is he had left a year prior and Deadpool was still unfinished business. But we did have the benefit of having Simon Kinberg, who had come on since I had met with the Schulers, the, the, the Schuler Donners. Simon, who had a great track record in film, he had written and produced Mr. and Mrs. Smith, one of my favorite uh, films ever, period. One of my favorite Brad and Angelina Jolie movies. One of my favorite Brad Pitt movies. I mean, it, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is so strong from script all the way through. You know, it's on the page. Simon wrote it. He produced it. He had really uh, carved for himself a very, very strong resume. Non-superhero films that you've seen from Simon Kinberg are The Martian, are uh, Murder on the Orient Express, uh, the aforementioned Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and of course I'm going to blank on all the other great stuff uh, that, that, that Simon had produced, but he had come on to be the new kind of guiding force, helping hand in the X-Men universe. And he, as early as spring of 2014, prior to Days of Future Past launching, which is when I formally met him, he said, I am really behind Deadpool and trying to make it work. I think it's great. I think the script's great. I think Ryan's great. Simon had become our strong advocate. And Jim Giannopoulos, the new president, like he got the results that, that he needed. He saw you guys respond as well as you did on the internet. He saw Guardians pull off Marvel characters with humor. Now that now they had to pull the trigger and give it a green light. And let's just get to that. They did. They pulled the green light by the end of the year. Uh, Deadpool is up and running. It's going to shoot in March in Vancouver for a 2016 release. Holy crap. Now, let me tell you something funny about that. There had been a lot of leaks, a lot of wrong uh, announcements whether uh, as to whether Deadpool was happening. And I was getting contacted all the time. Uh, people asking me, is this true? Is this true? And I'd say, no, there's nothing firm. There's nothing firm because there had been nothing firm. Things look good. The, 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 uh, the views on the internet look good. Um, Ryan was very, you know, positive that it would go the way we needed it to. Tim was, Rhett was, Paul was, but but nothing, Simon was, but nothing had been greenlit. 
and and that that's when the studio has pressed the button, moved forward a lot of the finances, and you'll read about it on a credible you know trade source. Well, a couple days earlier, there was another false alarm that the book that the movie was going forward. Well, I had been so calloused and and kind of conditioned to just go, guys, that 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 that's bad information. That's not happening, and always trying to tell people that's not you know, the correct info that I am sitting in my loft with my good friend, Marat, who is visiting out of town. Marat is upstairs in my loft. We're hanging out on the couch, looking at comics and, um, just visiting with each other as we do. Marat, I interviewed him, uh, I think in episode two of making of Deadpool, he was there with me at my studio when Deadpool was born and cable and Shatterstar and Farrell and X-Force and all of it. So he has some great stories to tell you. You should seek that episode out. I love Marat. We're going to visit with him again, but bottom line, uh, Marat and I are just hanging out and my son yells up from his room. He's downstairs in his bedroom and he goes, dad, dad, Deadpool, dad, Deadpool's happening. And I, with my kind of like, look, let me, let me tell you how that's not true. I said, son, son, that's not, that's not true. That I saw that story the other day that, that, that's not valid. That's not real. That's, that's not moving forward. Son, that's, you know, that's a false alarm. It's another false alarm. There's a lot of those. And he's like, Dad, it's Deadpool. And I said, Luke, I love you, man. Nobody wants it more than 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 I do, but but it's 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 false. And I'm referring to the previous couple days worth of stories. Luke stomps up the stairs. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, he's 14, big kid, taller than his dad by now. Shoves his smartphone in my face with the Hollywood Reporter Daily Variety headlines: Deadpool gets green light from 20th Century Fox, and. I may have had to fight back tears because I knew what that meant. That was real. That is happening. Oh my gosh. Marat hugged me and said, I'm so happy for you, buddy. And he's like, I'm so happy I was here at this moment. And Luke's like, now do you believe me? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Luke, thank you. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. After all the fits and starts and false alarms and and the changing of the presidents and the changing of the guard and adding Simon Kinberg on as our new advocate along with Lauren Schuler Donner after the brilliant screenplay had, had sat for four years, after that footage had sat for three years, here we are. It's going forward. Ryan is going to get to be Deadpool, show off his amazing ability to portray this character in a way that no one else could ever hope to. And Tim is going to get his chance to strut and bring that hunger that he has to deliver a great film, a great first film. It's all happening. It's all moving forward. It was a great evening. We went out. We celebrated. I just can't believe to this day how much. And again, Marat's like, that's funny. That's funny. You were like, it's not happening, Luke. And he's like, now do you believe me? Boom. There it is. Deadpool gets the green light. And it was official. And we're moving forward. I just couldn't believe. You know, that's probably September, October that that came through. And and they were going to shoot in March. So, I mean, the prep was on. And so then Tim went, you know, heavy duty into... Uh, manufacturing the uh, the costume and getting the visual effects ready, the casting. We had to cast that movie. And that's when suddenly Gina Carano, who I'd brought to Blur Studios to read, to, to see the Deadpool film, she's getting cast, okay? Um, Ed Screen is getting cast. I mean, this was a really fun um, time to watch these characters come to life when they got Vanessa as Marina Baccarin. I literally literally flipped out. Like I could not believe we had cast as amazing, uh, you know, as amazing and an actress, amazing talent as, 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 as a Morena. I mean, she's so amazing. I knew she was going to pull off, you know, pull off, uh, 
Vanessa in the best possible way. I'm sure that I could not wait to see the chemistry with her and Ryan unfold on screen. And, uh, and again, I'm sitting there reading all the different castings and waiting for Kane. And again, we've covered how uh, mighty um, mighty Tim Miller called me up and said, Hey, Rob, uh, that, that Kane is, is not going to be in the movie. This is like literally right before the new year, right before 20, no, actually early, early January of 2015, a couple months before they're going to shoot. And he's like, yeah, the budget got a last overhaul and there's not enough money to include Kane. So we have written him out of the movie. And I was like, fine, buck up. And I really, to this day, Tim, Rob, I can feel your tears streaming through the phone. I said, no, dude, it's Deadpool. He's the priority. That's awesome. Kane will live to fight another day. I still believe that, but we were going forward and heading to Vancouver. So I was uh, scheduled to visit the set early in the shoot. A uh, couple couple weeks into the shoot, I had a cameo. I'm I'm going to be part of the um, the, uh, the the sister Mary's bar scene. Now Tim had sent me two opportunities. I was in Wisconsin. Uh, I was in Wisconsin with my son at a show. My youngest, uh, awesome Chase Liefeld, and it was like almost a blizzard. It was like, the, the show was great. People showed up. The Wisconsin people are totally accustomed to everything being completely snowed over. My son was just loving it, jumping, leaping, you know, leaving these giant, you know, holes with his footprints, these, you know, deep foot deep imprints. And it was such a great time. And we are down, winding down before going to the show the next morning. We've come in, we've had dinner and I drop down and Tim says, Hey buddy, for your two cameos, do you want to be grabbing ass at the strip club? Or do you want to be at, at, at Sister Margaret, Sister Margaret's uh, in the barroom scene? And I asked him what the strip club entailed. And as a good, uh, I just at that point was like, I don't want to explain to my kids why I'm in the strip club. I was thinking more as a parent than anything else. I don't regret it. But he told me Stan was going to be in there as the DJ. And I just said, eh, my, uh, my family would, would my, my son, uh, who was kind of in a very, my, my, <laughs> he's a little judgmental. <laughs> My 14-year-old son would have looked at me differently if he'd seen dad at the strip club. So I chose to downshift and do the sister uh, Margaret's bar scene, which was great. And uh, they were both filming like literally back to back. So it really wasn't a big change in terms of the schedule. Uh, I filmed my sister Margaret stuff one week and the next week they did the uh, strip club stuff with, with Stan. So I just missed him. Um, actually, at WonderCon that year, Stan was filming during at Deadpool. I was getting some great reports from the set. It was really fun. But uh, so when I, uh, I, I'm going to sit at the bar, and of course, Ryan is going to greet me as Wade, say, hey, Liefeld, I'm one of the people in the bar. And, and the brilliant fat Gandalf and I, we're going to have some um, back and forth. I am a terrible actor, so don't ask me to deliver a whole lot of lines. And the funny thing was, the original take I, I we my wife and I fly into Vancouver they Fox put us up at the swankest of swankest um hotels and we got to spend uh four days uh on the set just drinking it up we we, we saw Blind Al's place uh saw the freeway um um shoot and and saw Sister Margaret's and the funny thing is when you landed in Vancouver I mean, the entire town was buzzing that they were making Deadpool. The biggest thing, the reason it could not have been avoided is the giant, the freeway was shut down for two weeks. They called the aqueduct. This giant artery in the middle of downtown Vancouver was going to be, um, so, you know, shut down. So you had to use side streets. Um, there was all sorts of detours and the, the, the city couldn't have been more excited about it because of what it meant, because it was being 
featured heavily in Deadpool with, with their favorite Canadian son, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds, and their new favorite Canadian superhero, Deadpool, who will eclipse Wolverine. You know, sorry, Hugh. Uh, I'm saying this all tongue-in-cheek, but it, it's uh, all part of the origin. Again, uh, ha- having him follow, uh, be, be part of the Weapon X program because he was looking to cure his cancer and tying him in with Weapon X, which was a Canadian program in the comics, always uh, bode well for, you know, Wade's Canadian status. So now here we are in Vancouver, in Canada, with a Canadian actor and a Canadian um, uh, anti-hero making this awesome movie. But I'm telling you, the buzz from the restaurants to the hotel, to the car services, people, they the signs were giant. There were giant signs saying, you know, aqueduct to be shut down in three days, aqueduct to be shut down in two days. I mean, they were going to take that thing over for the better part of 10 days, and people couldn't have been happier to reroute their traffic and go through different snafus and wait in longer, um, you know, delayed situations so that Deadpool could get pulled off in the way that it did. Um, I went to wardrobe upon landing. Uh, they, they gave me my flannel shirt, my, my fitted jeans, my shirt. And of course I saw all the different, you know, more new advanced costume sketches that were, that, that, that they had made up. Um, I would be remiss not to mention Joshua James Shaw, who was the guy who Tim, uh, went to at Blur Studios to create the unbelievable, unbelievable Deadpool costume. And it just, I remember he gave me a, a full on, a full Printout, giant poster size, uh, uh, which which I have displayed uh, in 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 my house of the Deadpool turnarounds on on the black and red leather. And you know, I know in years past, Ryan has shown footage of him and Simon Kinberg. They've all shown all, all the different stages of the different costumes that they tried out. And Joshua uh, Joshua Shaw had is 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 the guy that came through in the end and and delivered like what was just the perfect brought that costume perfectly to life. It just moved so well, looked so well. I never really was concerned that he wouldn't look awesome because Spider-Man looked great on film. I mean, by this time, you guys, we're already, Tobey Maguire has been retired and we are in at, at, at uh, approaching the end of the Andrew Garfield era while Ryan is filming Deadpool. So, I mean, I've seen plenty of Spider-Mans. They all look great. Deadpool having a Spider-Man, you know, uh, aspect to his visual, as I've covered here, I knew would look great, and it exceeded all expectations. But they outfitted me, told me my call times. Uh, I was in the makeup trailer the next day, having seen seen uh, seen Ryan, who arrived to get his um, his his makeup uh, ready. And and uh, you know, every time I see Ryan, I am always amazed at how at how tall and commanding he is. He's such a big physical you know, space, physical presence. And uh, Ryan gave me a big hug. We got our um, hair and makeup done together side by side. Obviously, they were giving me such great treatment. I could not have been more excited. I met Bill Corso, who was doing all of Ryan's um, ugly Wade makeup. But of course, the Sister Margaret's flashback scenes are all um, Ryan uh, as as, as his beautiful Wade Wilson visage before he gets uh, destroyed with with the uh, with with the treatments at the program under under uh, under Francis, so so the experience is great. Ryan hugs me. I comment again. I go, I'll just never get over how tall you are. And he like whispered in my ear, "I am so very tall," and just cracked me up. 
yes, I am so very tall. And what he really wanted to say was, you're a pipsqueak. I'm sure you're a pipsqueak. But we rode over together, um, you know, and, and for the next couple of days uh, on set, um, I'm, I'm observing all the things that are going down, all of the, uh, that's what it really took to, to, to do the entire uh, Sister Margaret's from Ryan entering the bar to the ensuing all his banter with TJ Miller and and then uh, the, the breakout of the fight. And then, of course, the introduction to the beautiful Vanessa Marina Bacharin. And so obviously a lot, a lot of time in between, you know, movie studio, movie shoots are all always hurry up and wait. They, they set up the shot, the lighting, the audio. You run a few takes, you run a few more takes, you run a few more takes, you run a few more takes. You switch up the change-ups, the audio, the lighting for the next pass. Um, it was fun. It was a great, great several days hanging out at Sister Margaret's. Got to go and see a scene filmed in, in uh, 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 the night we arrived in, in, in Blind Owls. Uh, shot the Sister Margaret stuff. Got to see uh, first day of the freeway stuff. And then we boarded a flight home. Um, and it was just so fun. And at the end of my time, uh, filming, and again, I'll I'll tell you my, my original scenes with fat Gandalf had him, uh, poking his knife through my fingers in that move that you've seen sometimes where you spread out your hands and the guy takes the knife and puts them through the fingers. And then he was supposed to miss and stab me through my hand. And I was supposed to have a knife through my hand, which I thought was a funny gag. And it made me think of one of my heroes, John Byrne, who said, uh, back in 1990, when, when Image was forming and we were leaving John in the dust saying that I should have um, a knife driven through my hand. So that was, I thought that was funny and, I, and I, I was in on the joke and I loved it. But the knife, the prop knife, and they only had one prop knife, and I'm just going to tell you from the outside, that is what became the, uh, the, the problem is um, Fat Gandalf, Randall Reeder, uh, was getting really sweaty. And um, really, like, because we did like five, ten takes and... The sweat was coming off his hand, dripping onto the knife. And the knife wasn't the hardest rubber in the first place, of course, because it's a prop rubber knife. But by the fourth or fifth take, that that between the, the perspiration coming off of him, the heat in the room, the knife had turned into a wobbly, rubber, bendy knife. So it couldn't even keep its form when they were going through my fingers. Poke, 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 poke. It wouldn't keep its, um, it wouldn't solidify, it wouldn't stay solid. And it was um, losing its solid, solid uh, structure and becoming more elastic. And so on the last couple takes, I mean, it is just this wobbly knife. It was very funny. It wouldn't, it wouldn't go through butter at the end. So, so they then on the spot, recounted it, rechanged it and said, act like you're reading his palm and telling him he's going to die. And we had a little back and forth. I'm sure it was terrible and that's why it was caught. But Ryan does indeed walk in, greet me, say, Hey, what's up, Liefeld? And it was fun. It was just fun to be a part of it. My name is on the dead uh, the, the, the Deadpool on the board at Sister Margaret's. There's a lot of great names. If you never looked at that, check it out. There's some really funny, interesting names on there. But at the end of the two days, Ryan gathers everybody, puts his arm around me. I've got all these. Um, most of the extras, I was told, were real life um, people who were populating the CD bar area. The area, Sister Margaret's was an actual bar that they outfitted in this very CD, CD kind of lower uh, I mean, look, they, they said there was a lot of drugs that went on around that area and, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of shady stuff. And, and they had warned me like, don't wander around outside at night. Don't go, don't leave this, this, this kind of barricaded area. Um, 
It was that they really wanted to go for the grit and they got this really gritty, seedy location. And Tim had said some, a couple of these really peculiar guys, and if I ever see the movie with you, I can point them out. They were real barflies, real life barflies who had waited to be part of the atmosphere. And so Ryan is he gathers me at the top of the bar and, uh, and, and everybody gathers round. Uh, all of these kind of 60% of them are barflies. Um, Gina Carano had dropped by to say hi while I was filming. It was really fun. Um, and, and, uh, and, and so, so a couple of stunt guys, mostly barflies, and Ryan says, hey, everybody, just wanted to say this is Rob Liefeld. He created Deadpool. We're so happy he was able to be part of this the last couple of days. And he created this giant mega million franchise. And for that, we want to thank him with this uh, Deadpool. Um, we want to th- thank him with this Deadpool movie chair uh, banner that cost us $10.50. So, Rob, that's what you are worth to us. $10.50. Thank you so much. Everybody roared and laughed. I, I took it. I was so excited to have it. I still have it. It's exciting. It's it's a director's chair kind of banner that you would slide on if I had a director's chair to do that with. Um, and But I always thought it was funny in, in, in the midst of all these, they all gave me a nice round of applause, but it was funny that he had his joke teed up. You are worth ten fifty dollars uh, to this production. And uh, the one thing that I got in trouble on on the set was watching the dailies back and forth uh, the first couple of days that I was there and seeing the footage, especially the blind owl stuff, the, the, the stuff that was shot the day before was when Ryan is as Wade. Uh, it's, it's right, you know, the top of the third act of the 2016 Deadpool movie when he is getting all his guns and ammo together and... Um, and and T.J. Miller goes, I'm not going that that scene, and he's like, No, I can't believe they got Vanessa, and I'm going to kill Francis, and he gets his backpacks full of guns and weapons and rifles, and uh, and it's it's so great. Ryan is so furious and so angry, and Tim was so impressed at at the, at how Ryan just acted in that scene, the anger that he summoned, the righteous anger, and then of course you got the great line again by T.J. going, Yeah, I'm not going, but uh. Tim had shot that from all different angles and sent it to Blur to get edited overnight. So the next afternoon, he would always have what he shot in the way that you would see it in the film, edited together, um, cut and assembled together. With It was amazing. So uh, uh, Tim had showed me on the iPad. So I got, I mean, I'm like, wow, I saw this shot yesterday and here it is assembled and it looks amazing. And oh my gosh, you know, seeing Ryan in the suit as Wade was mind blowing. And then to see him the next day, so beautiful and Ryan-esque and um, the skate park that he walks from, uh, that he, he walks from to Sister Margaret's. Again, all of those are real locations located all nearby in this kind of better, best way I can put it, seedy part of downtown Vancouver. I mean, again, like to the point where they would warn us, don't wander too far. And, uh, so, so having, um, seen all of this and been part of this and seen all the stuff that, that, that Tim was able to do, I knew, you know, as we're watching the days that I was on set, all of that stuff be shot. And then like in my mind, having seen how he assembled stuff overnight, kind of imagining how he was going to assemble all this footage from sister Margaret's and the great stuff with Morena, I would blurt out under the tent, looking at the footage, I'd go, Oh my gosh, this movie is opening to $65 million. Now, the budget for Deadpool was $50 million. Let's, let's just remember that. It was greenlit with reshoots. It went to 55, but it was greenlit at $50 million. Ryan had a great quote about this when he was doing promotion for the movie right before it came out. And he said, our 
budget for this film was other superhero movies, cocaine budget. Great line. Love it. I think it's in the LA Times or Daily Variety. But so our budget was the drug budget, you know, for implying that like the drug budget for cast, crew and actors on other films is bigger than the entire budget. And only Ryan can pull that quote off with the wit and and, and the construction of, of the joke in the way that he did. But I always thought that was a really uh, funny killer, killer line. Because again, again, Deadpool is micro-budgeted as far as superhero films go. I mean, I think Daredevil with Ben Affleck and Jen Garner had like $75 million uh, almost 11 to 12 years earlier, okay? So, I mean, we are we're talking Deadpool. As, even though it got the green light, it didn't get a whole lot of faith. It was definitely micro-budgeted. And you, and you got to understand, a lot of the superhero films that were coming out were not even approaching a $65 million opening weekend. So that would be very bullish, and I thought that is a great, I, and I felt it. I meant it. I thought this movie is going to be a smash, 65 million, easy. And I get slapped on the arm, smacked on the, you know, shoulder, knock it off. I felt, shut up, stop jinxing us. Stop jinxing us with your bullish projections. I go, you guys, I, I think it's going to do 65. Okay. Let's put a pin in that because we, we all know how that worked out. But I was like, oh, okay. No, don't talk on the set about how well you think the movie's going to do. That's going to jinx it. Got note to self for all future. Okay. So. Anyway, head home, got my banner, got my, I did my work, uh, shot my cameo, headed home, and obviously was in contact with everybody at, towards the end. They got some killer stuff sent my way. They assembled the film, and it is ready to now start testing. The movie wraps in May, uh, two and a half, almost three months shoot. It's over. Now, you know, may, assemble the movie, get the cut going, and, and let's see where it goes from there. Well... We know that uh, this film would show up in Hall H on at, uh, Saturday in the slot that Marvel abandoned. Marvel decided not to show up in 2015. So Fox gets the Saturday 6 p.m. slot, okay? And I just, I had, I had never had so much fun. I had been to set visits before, nothing based on my own work at that up until that time. But I had been to set visits some really big movies, some really great stuff. None of them had ever been that fun, and you could just see the electricity, and Ryan was just killing it, pouring everything he could into it. Tim was killing it, pouring everything he could. Everybody was having a great time. This movie, the the, the buzz was great. The electricity was great. It really did look and feel like something you hadn't seen before, and Ryan, as Deadpool, in the red leather, looked fantastic, and I knew that that signature freeway scene that frames almost the entire first two-thirds of the movie was just going to blow people away. So Hall H is coming up uh, the day, the afternoon before Hall H, all the actors are flown in and, uh, you know, everybody's got their best dress and suit and Dud's Ryan at the killer leather jacket and uh, we meet up on the Entertainment Weekly does a shoot and I was up on the rooftop of the uh, the uh, Hard Rock Hotel in San Diego, downtown uh, in, in, in the gas lamp district where everyone was gathering for their photo shoots and talking to everybody, talking to the producer, talking to Ryan, talking to Gina, talking to Ed screen, talking to Tim and everybody was taking their pictures and, um, made my, made my way through the, through, through the line. They did, they did some creator pictures. It was great. Very, and this is like one o'clock, very much excited. I'm coming out of my, you know, I'm just coming out of my skin. I can't even believe that, uh, that, that, that Hall H is going to happen. This footage is going to be there. And I've already seen the footage. I know what they're going to show. I know it's going to just go over huge. Well, we assemble 
for the Deadpool Hall H screening. My family gets seated. San Diego hooks us up. They give them great seats. A couple of my friends, they get seated. Everyone's, you know, hooked up. And of course, as you know, uh, I think they did the X-Men first. They did X-Men um, Apocalypse. They came out. They had the cast. They had Jennifer Lawrence. They had everybody. And uh, I'm off to the side. So if you're facing Hall H and you're facing the main, you know, the middle of the giant stage, to the right were all the um, Fox executives. They were Rhett Reese, Paul Warnick were there alongside myself. And ironically, because Olivia Munn is, uh, you know, Psylocke in... X-Men Apocalypse, she was dating Aaron Rodgers. And so Aaron Rodgers is standing right next to me. He also very tall, very, you know, um, although he did not hug me and, wish, and whisper into my ear. Yes, I am very tall, much bigger than you, Pipsqueak. Um, the way Ryan did, he didn't say much bigger than you. He just said, yes, I am so very tall. The uh, Aaron Rodgers is right there because he's dating Olivia Munn. So you got Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you guys saw him, but 20, 2015, he is in Hall H. He is off to the side right behind me. And so he is watching the X-Men, he's watching the X-Men Apocalypse cast talk up their movie and then they get escorted out. Um, Fox also, I think, had done something on Jekyll and Hyde with McAvoy. Um, I forget the other stuff that they were pushing, maybe Maze Runner. And then the Deadpool cast comes out and all hell breaks loose because TJ Miller and Ryan are like going at it full bore uh, back and forth, lewd, crude. TJ Miller's like, I think he was just so nervous. He just went full tilt, crazy, curse, uh, curse a palooza. And I think you and mine was like, whoa, let's try and rein it in. Like, I think there's kids in here, but uh, the, the, the trailer they're about to show is mucho R rated. Um, Chris Hardwick, he of, you know, Talking Dead is hosting this particular panel. And long and the short of it, they just decide, well, why don't we show you? We brought something special. Let's give you a trailer. And the crowd just goes nuts in anticipation of the house lights going down and the black screen turning into this trailer. And the trailer rolls. And let me tell you something. I am standing next to Rhett and to Paul. Aaron Rodgers is behind me, some other Fox execs. And you can just tell the whoops, the hollers, the the crazy calls, uh, cat calls, the, the, the just... The, the energy coming from the crowd, the room is starting to shake. And at that end of that trailer where Deadpool, it's the money baby when he jumps over the car and puts that bullet through those three guys' heads because he's got to conserve his bullets, right? Boom, boom, boom. And the and it and and the and the trailer goes black. The crowd rose to their feet faster than I could ever remember. And I was there going right back to where I started with this podcast when Downey Jr. assembled the Avengers. The room shook. The room shook like a 6.7 earthquake in Southern California. It shook. The rafters shook. The lights shook but because they were standing on their feet, clapping, just screaming. Roar! And you could see everybody on the stage is like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? What are we a part of? And I turned to Rhett and Paul and I said, you guys, you guys, you did this. You did this. Take a bow. You did this. Even Aaron Rodgers was like, holy shit. Like, I think he's also like, holy shit, they didn't do this for X-Men Apocalypse. But Deadpool was going insane. And the crowd, then Chris Hardwick standing at the podium going, what's going on here? The crowd on their feet, clapping, just raucous, goes, one more time, one more time, one more time, one. Oh my gosh, they just could not. They wanted to see that trailer again. And Chris looks over like to a Fox executive like, what are we doing here? Like, he's completely overwhelmed. It feels like they're going to storm the stage if they don't comply. 
And 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 Hardwick goes, just all right, F it. Uh you guys, uh, you want to see it again? We're gonna run it again. Here you go. Everybody drops back into their seats. Immediate replay of the Deadpool trailer. R-rated red band. Really because because you got Stan Lee at the strip club in there. Um, you've got all the violence, the the, the bullet going through all. And um, if you could have seen Tim and Ryan and Ed and Gina and Vanessa, everybody flipping out because the crowd then goes, Rawr! they just, they're screaming. And then Ryan, of course, takes the mic and says, so, so you guys like what you saw? Rawr! So couldn't have gone better. The place is just, it's a good thing they were last because you wouldn't want to follow them. This was amazing. And so the Entertainment Weekly uh, party that it, that they throw every week on Saturday night at the Hard Rock is just buzzing. T.J. Miller grabs me, takes me to the bar and says, what are you drinking? I'll say, I'll drink whatever you had. Crazy. He was drinking the hardest shit ever. And I'm just popping him back just to keep up with him. And T.J.'s like, dude, I've been in Transformers movies and I've never seen any reaction like that. Nothing compares. Nothing and I'm like, TJ, it's crazy. It's crazy. Rhett and Paul and their fiance wives showed up. Uh, they, they couldn't believe it. It was the buzz. Ryan had already caught a flight back to the, wherever his wife was filming her film. Um, and, and, and so it was just the people who did hang around and make the trip to the party. It was just the buzz. And then my buddy from Sony came up to me and said, congratulations, man. Deadpool won Comic-Con. I go, what? Excuse me? And he clicks up, and there it is, Hollywood Reporter, how Deadpool won Comic-Con. And it talks about it talks about the 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 day that unfolded, the trailer, the moment the crowd was on their feet, the crazy reaction, the replaying of the trailer immediately to calm the tra- the, the 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 crowd down. Um Hardwick being completely overwhelmed in the moment because he had never been in a part of a part of anything like that. You guys, I've told you, Avengers, I did that. I was there. I thought that was the biggest fanboy orgasm ever. And then this happened and I happened to have a direct line to this. This is my character. This is this is this is Deadpool. This is the Deadpool movie and people are losing their shit. And it just it just seemed at that point it was just all going to just fall into place. Except there was one last hurdle. Fox was intent on getting the very best version of this film they possibly could. And they had already tested it and gotten a few notes and they had gone and done a couple additional reshoots. And right before Christmas 2015 on the Fox lot where they had all of their preview screenings, there's a uh, theater that holds about a hundred people and they do a screening for fans. They never tell you what you're seeing. You're just told, you know, you answer some sort of questionnaire. You went on a website, you got something, you got some clearance. You were, you were to show up. They didn't tell you the name of the film till you were there. Tom, uh, Tim Miller invites me to go watch this screening. And he goes, you're going to want to be there. This is, this is, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, Tim says, I'm pretty sure this is the final assembly. This is the final cut. And I, 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 I want you to see this. And Tim was nice enough that I was his guest uh, Simon Kinberg was there. Uh, Rhett and Paul were there. All of the big, big wigs, the chiefs, the president of um, movie production, Emma Watts, who was right below uh, Giannopoulos, the president. She was there. Marketing was there. They let the people in. They then tell them that the movie they're about to see is Deadpool. The crowd goes crazy. Again, this is coming out on Valentine's Day, 2016. 
This is the week before Christmas. It, everything's going to shut down right after this. You know, they're just trying to get this, you know, the last bit of information on this. Now, as I understand it, I am told before the movie starts that the last score on the movie was like a 90-91. It was very good. The 90s is what you want to be in. Um, you know, I've I've had friends in the 90s. I had a lot of director friends who tested their movies down in Orange County. They invited me to come. I'm going to tell you, I saw some really brutal, brutal um, screenings. And the um, the focus groups afterwards just murder these films. And, and unfortunately, none of them, one of them was a decent size hit. Most of them just were complete misfires. And you knew it at the screening that the attitude going forward was, how do we salvage this? The audience hates it, okay? Nowadays, they throw a lot more special effects at it and soundtracks. And I, I see the tricks of the trade have improved in regards to saving, you know, the patient, the patient being the flawed movie that gets the bad score. So I've been part of really bad versions of this. So I'm now here at Deadpool, nervous myself, heard the last one went very well. They are, they are ready to go. The crowd goes crazy. The movie starts playing. And I'm going to tell you guys, one of the scenes that we all know is the most beloved scene of the entire Deadpool movie is the opening scene with with uh, Juice Newton, Just Call Me Angel of the Morning, the slow pan in and through, and that's it's been there since day one in 2011 in the screenplay, that exact scene going through the Escalade, the different objects flying, except this time I see a Rob Liefeld coffee cup flying at me. I was very excited, but there is no reaction. The crowd is not reacting. Okay, this is key to know. They are just silent. I figure they're just enjoying it like I am. But the Fox, as you'll as you'll hear, really was anticipating a greater reaction than the one that they were given. Well, the movie goes on from there, but I'm telling you that opening, Just Call Me Angel in the Morning, all the music is in this, and most, I mean, like literally 98% of the special effects. There's some unpolished colossuses in a couple shots, like he's not fully rendered, but otherwise, this is a really good representation of what you, what you would see. A couple of the jokes have been changed. Um, in, instead of calling her angry Rosie O'Donnell in this one, uh, Wade refers to Gina Carano as Ho- Jose Canseco. Okay, so that that's that's a that's a change in the joke. In, in 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 the trailer, even it was it was angry Rosie O'Donnell, but this time again they were trying new jokes, calling her Jose Canseco instead. But that opening in the Escalade, very little audible reaction whatsoever. Well. The reaction of the movie is great. The, the fans, you know, the people in attendance applaud and seem very happy. And they're asked to fill out their cards when when the lights go up and hand in their their scores because they're going to score this. There's a hundred of them, but twenty of them have been uh, held back to do the uh, the 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 focus group, where the the moderator is going to lead them and ask them certain questions. That that's how they run these focus groups. There's things they definitely want, you know. Uh, to have response to, they want to. There, there's different questions they want answered, and they have culled through X amount of women, X amount of men, X amount of ages of both for this 20-person focus group. Well, while people are filling out their cards, and people are, they're giving people about 10 minutes to leave the theater. Is uh, we, I am huddling with the creative team. Everyone is there on the team, the producing team, except for Ryan. I would write and give Ryan a report of this at his request shortly after this, uh, that couple days after. It's Tim, it's it's Simon Kinberg, it's Aditya Sud, it's who's a, a, a executive producer on that. It's um, it's uh, it's Paul, it's Rhett. Um, there's a line producer. 
Um, there several producers, Tim Miller, the writers. Okay, and I'm just standing there trying to not make any waves. I'm an observer. But they're behind, they're to the side of the building as people are going out. The other, you know, 80 people are leaving. Oh, Brian Singer, Brian Singer, who directed X-Men, X-Men 2. He was sitting next to me the whole screening. And he says, he leans over to me about half hour, half hour in. And he goes, oh my gosh, the things you guys are able to do with the R rating. What I wouldn't kill for to make one of these with an R rating. I was like, oh, thanks, Brian. And, uh, you know, took a picture with him afterwards. And, you know, look, I think... Brian Singer, uh, whatever you think of him personally, what he did with the first two X-Men films helped guide, steer everything that we enjoy to this day. And there was palatable envy uh, of the R rating that we had achieved, the first R-rated X-Men theme film. So that was fun. But now I'm outside and I'm listening to all this information get thrown around. And you guys, the fact that the audience did not react to that opening, one of the people like literally said, guys, think we need to really... I think, I think we really need to come to the realization that we didn't earn it. We haven't earned that scene. The audience didn't laugh. They didn't express any sort of uh, um, enthusiasm. I, I think maybe we just cut it. I don't think that's where we start. I think we should think about cutting it. Then they're like, oh, the, the new jokes don't work. Jose Canseco didn't get the same laughs. Blah, 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 blah. One guy goes, look, I think we need to go back in there and be prepared that we did not. We're not going to get the same score that we did on the 91 screening. So we need to go back and make sure we get it back to the 91 screening because that's what we'll go out with. And there was a sense. It's very cold in December, Southern California night. It does occasionally get cold in Southern California. On this night, it was cold. Everybody in their heavy coats and the cold. You could see everybody's breath. Um, They're they're discussing like, and I'm like, are these people insane? You get in my head. I'm like, I'm not going to blurt it out now. I'm going to wait to see how the rest of the night goes. But there is no way in hell you're taking that opening out. What, What the hell? So anyway, keep this in. But like there is some concern that this version of this movie is not going to test as well. Well, they, they say, hey, we're ready to do the focus group. Everybody come back inside. I let everybody go back inside. I, I figured this is where I'm going to get off. This is where I'm getting off the bus. I'm no, I'm no longer going to accompany this any further. I'm going to say my goodbyes. And the guy who's conducting, he, he, the people who conduct these screenings, the partner, his, his, his partner in the business is the one that actually conducts the focus group. And when they do that, it's very carnival barkerish. It's I'll, 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 I'll do it for you in just a second. But the, uh, the, the guy goes, you're not coming in. I said, no, I, I don't want to, I I'm, I'm too nervous. I'm too nervous. And that's the honest truth. I, I when I say I want to get off this ride and just go home, I felt like I had, I had a great experience. I thought the movie looked fantastic. Every aspect of it blew me away at the end in this, in this version, they mentioned it's the Ferris Bueller end tag. And he says, and for the next time we've got cable coming. I couldn't believe that they didn't let that out, that all those people did not leak that stuff out because I was like, Oh my gosh. And I, and Tim Miller's hands came over my shoulders. Cause he was seated behind me rubbing my shoulders. Like you excited now? Like we just, you know, put it out there in audio cable is coming. So it's very exciting for me. And I didn't want to, now everyone was evaluating different they're trying to read the tea leaves and evaluating reactions. And it was just kind of a vibe I didn't want to be a part of. And the guy goes, come on, come on. No, no, no. You're going to want to see this. Trust me. You're going to want to see this. It was almost like he knew already. So I go inside and the focus group is introducing himself to everybody. He goes, okay, so you guys just saw this movie Deadpool. Let's get your immediate feedback. What did you think? what did you think? Guy goes, feels like a Quentin Tarantino film. Boom. Uh, a Quentin Tar- Tarantino film. And I'm like, boom, that's exactly it. What I've said from day one, that screenplay is a Quentin Tarantino. The guy goes, yeah, it felt like watching like, like Inglourious Bastards or Reservoir Dogs. It was like a Quentin Tarantino. 
And I think this is what, ha- what happens. One guy says something and then a couple guys, other, you know, a couple guys pile on the comments. Th- th- then that particular comment becomes what everyone attaches onto. But it was very exciting. And I'm sure Paul and Rhett were very excited to hear that. You know, no one doesn't want to be compared to someone like Quentin Tarantino. He is the, you know, epitome of you made a great movie. Um, so then he said, how many of you people have read the comics? Only four of the focus group. And I'm, th- I'm sure that was by design. Only four hands went up. They said, what'd you like about it? And they're like, oh, I liked how you know, avant-garde it was. I liked I liked the action. I liked the violence. All the jokes were great. This was a great reflection of the character. Okay, okay, so, it's, so you really thought it was a positive res- reflection of the character? Yes, yes, I did. I thought it was a positive reflection of the character. You know, all so far, great, great stuff. Guy goes, anyone else have a, 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 uh, a sentiment about the movie they want to share? Anybody else? Again, the, the guy is very fast talking and he's, you know, chopping with his hands, pointing at you. And anyone else want to say, uh, share a sentiment, about, uh, a sentiment about this movie? Anyone else want to share something, uh, something they want to share that they liked, that they enjoyed? Boom. Woman's hand goes up. Hand goes up. He goes, yes, ma'am. She goes, I love Wham. I, I love Wham. And I think we all, we, we are all the way in the back of the theater. So we're kind of, we're not trying. I, I literally laughed because it was such a funny expression of what she, I love Wham. And he goes, so you loved the Wham music and the soundtrack. Yeah, I love Wham. And that is her contributions to proclamations that she loved Wham. Then a follow-up. So you love the Wham music. Yes, I love Wham. And I'm like, okay, as far as like critical, you know, uh, uh, comments, we're, we're, we're doing great. The, the comments continued to pour in. People just loved it. Uh, the guy said, do you like, do you like the jokes? Okay. They like the jokes. Do you like the fact that it's kind of taught, you know, told out of order? It's nonlinear. Yes. Yes. They like that. So then he goes, well, you know what? I'm going to wrap this up. Let's, let's quickly do a show of hands. We're going to start with how many people think this is a highly, the highest possible recommendation and excellent with a show of hands. Now there's 20 people there with a show of hands. Would you say that this movie is excellent and it gets your highest possible recommendation? Let me show that. Let, let, let me see that everyone. Show me your hands. 14 hands go up. I know because just like everybody else in the back, we started counting, pointing. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14. Oh my gosh, 14 hands out of 20. Say excellent, highest possible recommendation. And the guy counts them and he goes, the, the barker is 1, 2, 3, 4, gets to 14. Okay, 14 of you, 14 of you say that this is excellent and get your highest possible recommendation. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. All right, well, now for the next tier. How many people here think the movie you saw, Deadpool, the movie that you just saw, was very good? How many? Boom, the rest. Six more go up. That's it. We're done. Six say very good. The rest are excellent. Highest recommendation. Recommendation. Highest recommendation. That's it. We're done. And I think the Carnival Barker, you know, focus group guy is like, it doesn't get better than this. And he's like, well, everyone, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the feedback. The studio thanks you. The movie crew, everyone here tonight thanks you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your integrity. As you know, you signed an NDA. You can't talk about this, blah, blah, blah. They all leave. Well, Tim Miller is beaming. Rhett and Paul are beaming. And then there is a call. At this point, we're now gathered in the front talking to the Carnival Barker uh, focus group guy who's like, I'm telling you guys, it doesn't get better than that. Wow, you guys should be so pleased. Did you hear that? And then there's a loud, booming voice. Tim Miller, get to the lobby. Emma Watts wants to see you. Emma Watts is the president of film production. Everything that happens is because she hits the yes button. She works under the president of the studio. He sees all operations. She is films. You know, the movies don't get greenlit without her. She holds 
ultimate green light power, ultimate power of how we're going to roll this out, marketing dollars. And again, the higher the score you get, the more the studio is going to spend on marketing it. Tim walks up the, you know, the path up to the lobby. We all kind of gather around him. It's Rhett, it's Paul, it's the, the producers. And she goes, all right, you guys, we got the scorecards. And she's holding them all. And she goes, uh, they just handed it to me. She goes, uh, all right, guys, uh, we got a 94. You sons of bitches got yourself a 94 on Deadpool. And everyone cheers. And Rhett Reese, who God love him, I love him. I think the world of him, he is the sweetest guy, has never been so, like, just... um, He's very kind of reserved. He hugs me and he goes, when we got a 90 for Zombieland, they were partying in the streets. Oh my gosh, a 94. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the cheers, the well wishes, the enthusiasm. It's here. It's now. It's happening. And then there's like a slow pause and Emma goes, now get back to work and get me that other six points. Uh, uh, uh. She goes, get back to work and get me that other effing six points. Come on, I want 100. And then she goes, I'm just kidding. Well done, you guys. 94, the highest score in the history of 20th Century Fox. She goes, Avatar didn't even score this high. Congratulations. So now, let me tell you, no one's talking of changing the opening. That talk of maybe we should remove this. It didn't work. We didn't earn it. Okay, none of that's, just, none of that's happening. Everything is back on board. The movie as is, the movie that we screened that night, the 94 score is the one that's going out. And I can guarantee you, because I was I was there. I saw it. Cut to the Deadpool premiere in late January. Uh, first, you know, first of February before the movie's going out, they have gathered a fan screening, tons of fans. Ryan is there in his beautiful dapper suit. We are there. They fly us from Southern California to, to New York. Again, Fox treated my wife, my family like rock stars. It was fantastic. Um, the screening went, the fans went nuts. I had two friends who I know in the comic book community in New York who are actually there, who I saw waiting to go in. And they could not, they, they, they flipped out. Everybody finally knew, you know, that maybe that $65 million opening wasn't too out of the question, right? But um, what a great night. What a fun time. All of the fan screenings leading up to that meant, re- really did. Um, there was one in Century City, literally January 18th of 20, uh, 2016, when, when, when we had the very, very first fan screening. Ryan screened it. Uh, simultaneous with us. We did it in Century City in Los Angeles, had the first fan screening, and he did it in New York. So they started at the same time, and Ryan saw for himself with the crowd for the first time, and the audience went crazy. And so everybody knew that they had something special on their hands. But I don't think anybody saw the $135 million opening weekend that Deadpool would generate. And you guys, to this day, I mean, Deadpool... $135 million opening weekend was not what anybody was anticipating. Remember, I got chewed out for, for, I got chewed out for, uh, you know, saying that it was going to do $65 million. Like that was my bullish. How dare you? Um, that, that, that's, that was my, that was my prediction for the opening weekend. Obviously not the total gross, but I thought 65 would be great. And again, Hollywood Reporter on uh, February 14th of 2016, box office, Deadpool makes history. 132.4 million weekend colossal, $152 million holiday weekend. Because it's Valentine's Day and I think there was a President's Day in there. 
Over the long Valentine's Day President weekend, Deadpool opens to a resounding $152.2 million. In a sea change for Hollywood's go-to genre, comic book adaptations, Ryan Reynolds' very R-rated and irreverent Deadpool grossed a record-breaking three-day $132.7 million over three-day Valentine's Day weekend, one of the best showings of all time for a superhero movie shattering every expectation. Um... For the four-day weekend, Deadpool will earn a $152.2 million gross, a President's Day best, beating the $93 million grossed only one year prior of Fifty Shades of Grey. So anyway, just um huge, biggest all-time uh, debut for a first-time director for Tim Miller. Um, you know, Deadpool is wildly creative and new, and that's what audiences are hunger, hungry for, says Fox Domestic D- Distribution Chief Chris Aronson. Anyway, you guys know how, how it went. We got a second movie up and off the ground almost immediately. I'm going to revisit that this summer because we're going to end this making of Deadpool because the, the spiking of the ball is no bigger than that phenomenal opening weekend. As you guys know, Deadpool went on to make almost $800 million worldwide on an R-rated um, budget with a... Uh, on an R-rate, with an R-rated film, which people always try and downplay. These This new era of pundits a pg and an r-rated cannot be uh compared they, they, they just can't as much as you want to diminish the r rating the opening weekend uh when my son luke finally decided that dad wasn't a total um wipeout disaster and that his friends had wanted to see deadpool we took him to anaheim hills nearby to the theater for a saturday evening showing and as we pulled up and his friends now lucas you know not yet 16. He turned 16 that summer. So he's 15. His friends are 15. And we go, how are you getting in? Have you thought this through? Cause we're not, we're not, you know, we're not walking them in. This isn't part of our deal. I've seen Deadpool now like 15 times through all the test screenings, fan screenings, premiere screenings. Oh, auditor. And the, we did we did an IMAX screening and I did the, the, um, the, the audio commentary with Tim Miller on the DVD. So that's, that was three times i saw the movie in one stinking day so yeah i'd seen it a lot love the movie but luke and his buddies we pull up and i mean one of those three block lines this is before reserve seating um where, where everything was reserved three block long lines um I, I said well have fun whatever you know screening you get another parent was picking them up and bringing them home so eventually they they came home and 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 they had saw, saw the next screening and i said how'd you pull that off and he goes we we bought tickets to um that ben stiller zoolander 2 dad and we we went in and, and saw and i said you did what you gave ben stiller ryan reynolds money you never do that again but on the inside i'm like i did that when i was a kid come on i i, I bought i bought i bought I, f- I forget what i bought to go see predator and aliens i mean yeah I, I did the same thing but it was funny so imagine all the money that didn't find its way into deadpool's coffer coffers that weekend with high school kids buying Zoolander 2 tickets to then gain seats to see Deadpool. It was crazy. It's insane. The sex, the violence, the R-rated, the language. There had not been a superhero movie like that um, prior to that. And and uh, look, man, Ryan Reynolds, Tim Miller, not both guys, gave it all they got. That screenplay is aces. The success of that movie has paved the way for all sorts of new opportunities, not only for Deadpool, but for all of the X-Force characters. Again, we'll get Deadpool 2 um, soon enough, but last week, just a mere mention by the God King of Marvel, um, Kevin Feige of the, uh, 
that 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 Deadpool is going to be properly in the MCU and retain the R rating. Set off, you know, set off all of the news sites for for like a 48, 72 hour cycle. It was crazy. It was insane, and it was fun, and it was great, and everything about this journey has been great. And thank you for loving Deadpool. Thank you for loving Mister Red and Black Leather with katanas and guns, Spidey with swords and guns. Um, thank you for loving him from the minute he landed 30 years ago and the way that you guys have embraced him and carried him as I look at a Deadpool bank with a Deadpool action figure and Deadpool statues and a Deadpool jack-in-the-box, Deadpool movie posters, Deadpool comic book posters, Deadpool pops, Deadpool norbs, um, Deadpool hand puppets, you guys, Deadpool doggy treats, Deadpool doggy bowls. We have a Deadpool teapot. It never ends. Deadpool placemats, Deadpool air freshener, um, Oh my gosh, Deadpool, uh, you know, uh, window protectors in cars. It is such a massive, amazing business. It all starts with you guys. That's where it always starts. Thank you so much. You guys know this journey has been tremendous. I hope I have answered as many of your questions as possible. It has just been an absolute blast having talented um, individuals like Ryan Reynolds, like Tim Miller, like Rhett, like Paul, um, Simon Kinberg, Marina Bacharin. TJ Miller, Ed Screen, Gina Carano, everybody along the way. Of course, opening the door for Josh Brolin, Zazie Beats, and everybody that followed Julian Dennison. Deadpool 2, we're gonna take it, we're gonna tackle that. The thing about the weeks to come, we're gonna comment some, we're gonna, we're gonna burst down the door and jump into comic books in the 2000s. One of my favorite, and by when I say favorite, one of my least favorite, favorite topics. I, I really, those 2000 comics are interesting. We are going to do the full autopsy moving forward. And, and I hope that you continue to take this journey with me. Share uh, your love of the show. Pass it along. We are growing. Thank you for the awesome recommendations and all the love you're showing me. I cannot even begin to tell you how much I appreciate you guys. I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. On Twitter, at Robert Liefeld. On Instagram, I'm at Rob Liefeld, okay? Both have the blue checks. They're really me. Um, I love interacting with you guys. I'm on Facebook. I'm all over social media. Please say, uh, uh, share your thoughts, your ideas. Say hi. I love hanging with you guys and chatting with you guys. You guys, stay safe, okay? Um, take care of yourselves. And we will talk again real soon.